Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yeah! Dragon Talk, Dragon Talk! Woo-woo! That's a big one. It's yes, a, that was. That was a superstar level intro As well as should be. Because today, I'm Greg Tito, by the way. This is Shelly Mazzanoble. Yes, hello. This is the official Dungeons Dragons podcast. Dragon Talk. And we have an amazing WWE superstar interview coming up soon. Yes. Ember Moon. Look at us. Talking uh, about her D&D characters, uh, what it's like to uh, be a wrestler, how to, how to you know, start being a professional wrestler or an yep. uh, uh, athletic uh, entertainer, how, sports entertainer. How D&D informs yeah. her I know. Career? How fascinating is that? And vice versa. I, I can't wait. Amazing. Uh, so that is coming up. And uh, we also have a wonderful Lord You Should Know segment uh, in, in this here thing. Uh, what's going on with you, Shelly? How is life in the, you know, medium lane? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the slow lane today. Slow lane. Yeah. Um, Drink lots want, of water. I'm hydrating. Do, do you want to be referred to as... D&D superstar Greg Tito? Yes, I do. I like that. Okay, D&D superstar Shelly Mazzanova. I feel like, how do we earn those titles? Well, I mean, you have to win uh, about. Win what? I mean, as we've been doing on Pelham's Hot Mess, I think you have to win uh, Lords of Waterdeep. The belt. We have a belt. We didn't even talk to WWE superstar Ember Moon about our belt and how she could potentially win it. That would be unfair. (laughs) She'd have an unfair advantage. All the belts, (laughs) all of them. Uh, But I think you have to go on uh, another Pelham's hot mess and win the belt back from the Dungeon Mayhem. I'm actually, I fancy myself a pretty decent Dungeon Mayhem player, and I just got crushed. Got taken to town. I don't think I won any of the games. Zero in the tournament. I I was even in like a losers game. With like another the loser's person bracket. Lost. Yes, and I still didn't win that. I couldn't even be another loser. <laughs> <laughs> I am the loserest of all the losers. Aww. There should be a belt for that. Maybe suspenders. The fourth like place. Loser the fourth suspenders. place yes. belt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was. It was sad. Those have been tons of fun, though. Yes. Uh, and I enjoy uh, the the the. Made up competitions that we come up with here uh, as D and D superstars. Hot mess! It's a hot mess. It's a good show. Burr, burr, burr. That's my oh the air horn. <laughs> the air horn I love the air horn. We uh, ah! there it is. <laughs> yeah. He's like I've already got it. I'll always got it queued up, ready to go. The uh, amazing thing about Dungeons and Dragons and being a D&D superstar is that we get to talk about all the D&D superstar products that are coming yes. out there. Of course, you may know about a little game called or a little adventure called Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Heard of it. It's coming out September 17th. Not long now. It's all about uh, Baldur's Gate, the city. Potentially having to do with devils. Potentially. Uh, and being pulled into the first layer of the nine hells called Avernus. Okay. Uh, it's ruled by an uh, arch devil by the name of Zeriel. Oh, dear. Who may have at one time not been an arch devil. Probably. Bum. I mean, are you born an arch devil? Uh, well, I feel like you have to like a WWE superstar or a D and D superstar. You got to earn that. You got to rise up. I feel like you need to listen to some Lori Schneider segments yeah. on, on all of these fiends as well as the Celestials that will be coming up with okay. me and Chris Perkins very soon. You'll know all about it. 
Um, then it is. You don't start. You don't start out. I don't think you should be. It's true. Um, that, like I said, uh, September 17th, there's two covers. There is a standard cover painted by none other than Tyler Jacobson. Beautiful. Fantastic dude. So good. Uh, he's in the office now doing some other fun stuff. Um, there's also a, an alternate cover designed by Hydro 74. Oh, that looks so like his awesome. Volo's Guide covers and his Xanathar Guides cover. Very cool stuff. Uh, you can get both of those on September 17th. But you can only get the alternate cover in or through game stores. So Fine. look for it. Look Got for it. it. Got it. And there's tons of information on how to play in Baldur's Gate as well as how to play in uh, the Avernus first layer of Helm. We talked about Baldur's Gate 3, yeah. which is a video game that's being developed by our friends at Larian Studios. We talked about it a whole bunch when we were in L.A. for E3. It's pretty exciting. Yes. We've been working with them in tandem for the last year or so. More than that, Keeping maybe. Keeping it a secret. With Adam Lee, uh, one of the writers and masterminds behind uh, the Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus story, uh, has been working with them a lot, and it's very exciting uh, to see... Uh, all that work come to fruition. Did you look at that trailer? Mm-hmm. It's very it's gross. Amazing. There's lots yes. of throwing up Super happening. Uh, but I dig it. It's not my thing. You don't like throwing up? No. You should boot and rally. And I'm not watch a boot them. and rally. I'll rally, but I won't boot. <laughs> <laughs> that is my biggest fear in life. Is booting? Yes. I, Which is why I never am like too drunk because I was always afraid. Like if I have another drink, I might throw up. So oh. I never was like a that's an important lesson for, for kids to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, right, exactly. I hate it. Um, so hopefully you're also not then going to turn into a mind flare uh, at any time. Seramorphosis. No promises. <laughs> I'm seeing the tentacles. I think it would be kind of cool. Yeah. Brains might taste pretty good. Mm. Mm. Not vegetarian. Mm. Well, you're just eating their, like, essence of brain? Are you actually eating their... Yeah, I, I guess know. you are. I feel like there's got to be, like, the impossible brain, to, like, you know... A plant-based Now version. I want you to play like a variant where you're playing like the vegetarian mind player who's right. like, I only eat tofu mines. Yes. <laughs> Who would have a tofu mind? I don't know. Like like um, like a, a tree ant? Oh. You know, like you only eat the minds of, of, of plant-based of plant sentient based. beings? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I, I can I get like behind that. that. Uh, all right, cool. So that is uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, and there's also a Dungeon Mayhem expansion. Yeah, Battle for Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. Battle, battle. Alliteration. Who are you going to battle with in you Battle for Baldur's Gate? You can now throw down as Minsk and Boo. They're the same character. They are in the same deck. Yes. Adorable. Both and, of them? Yeah. Super cute. And Jahera. She is a shape-shifting druid, so maybe you want to play as a wolf, or maybe you want to play as a bear, or just her own badass self. I like all those things. The art is by Jake Parker, who is a wonderful illustrator. He is behind um, the Inktober challenge. Yeah. That was his... That's his We baby. should talk to him. Uh, we definitely should. Uh, as we get closer, maybe during Inktober. Yes. That'd be really fun. That would be great. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, what is Inktober? It is a, a monthly art challenge for for artists. Yeah. To just, I think they just post awesome art throughout. Like once a day, right? Once a day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I I've, do too. I've been seeing. Like social media is never better than during Inktober. Right. Or <laughs> Movember. Just, oh. With Movember. all the mustaches. Good I Lord. love it. Oh, look. 
There it is. There it is. There, there is some of the artwork from Jake Parker right there. Go for the eyes, boo. So. Uh, ah! <laughs> 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 All right. So uh, I, 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 I'm now seeing that Pelham used that as a way to. Uh, yeah. Pelham, you're like really up in your, your game here. For those of you who are just listening to the audio, there was an image of a mind flare on top of Shelly's face. That is why you have to watch the live part of this. On twitch.tv yes. slash DND. I never really look at the monitor because, I again, I don't want to see my face. <laughs> so that was like, he played that <laughs> perfectly. So you could actually oh do all sorts of things that I probably never That's amazing. would know. Um, so uh, speaking of amazing things, there's also Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty oh role-playing game God. adventure. Yes. I heard some folks playtesting that in the office uh, recently, and it seemed like there was lots of laughter. Lots of was there crying? There was also crying. You cried in laughter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did you saw the video? Did we talk about that? I, I have not seen the video you didn't yet. See but did the we, video? Did we, have we talked Pelham, about that on you, the podcast? Tell him put up a, a snippet of when I I'd lost it. Like <laughs> more so than I've than you've like you've ever seen. Define lost it. What, what did you do? I start something happened and I was like, I can't and I just started laughing like I was just crying so hard and laughing and crying. Yes. And but eating. like <gasps> Just like I couldn't control, I couldn't catch up. I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. You it was laughed just so tears. hard that you had a panic attack. <laughs> I might. Have. I think I did. And then wow. we were like, "This is a good place to end," because I literally couldn't stop crying. So, if, if you need a reason to be excited about Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty role playing game adventure, I think the tagline should be like, "It broke Shelley." Yes. So I laughed so hard I cried all my makeup off. Like at night, I didn't even have to like. Take my eye makeup. I'm like, oh, there it there's is. nothing here. It's gone. <laughs> no more left. I left it in the studio. It is so funny and it, fun. Yeah, it's not just like oh, it's like funny, like but no substance. It's like it's a really good adventure. Nice. It's crazy. Though. I can't wait. I it can't is wait. nuts. What's the what's the what's the release date for that? It is November nineteenth here in North America. Yeah. Uh, due to licensing and all types of rules and stuff, it'll be available in North America on November nineteenth. Speaking of rules, uh, the Essentials Kit is available now in oh. Targets in North America. It is a fantastic boxed set. Twenty five. People are bucks. loving it. There's so much. Uh, Ease of getting into the game in just one small box, and so many cool um, tactile, a, yes, accoutrements, accoutrements. In there too, that's kind of our word of the day. I feel like I do like that word. I feel it's like we've word. said it a few times. Yeah, I love all of the visuals. I love the sidekicks. Yeah, just, you know what I did with the sidekicks, and I, I, I hope more people are using it this way. But like, you can there's cards where there's artwork on one side, and there's some you know stats and character information on the other side. You can kind of, when they go to uh, the tavern in Phandalin, uh, you can almost be like, all right, here's who you see in, in the tavern. Oh. And you can actually just see the visual representation of these characters. And I did that uh, a couple of times. People it's are a like, great idea. Very are like, oh, I'm interested in that character. I'm going to go talk to them. And then they recruit them in as, as sidekicks and they can go off and adventuring together. But I just love, I wouldn't have thought to do that if I didn't have the physical card in front of me with the artwork by Sean Wood on there for those for those characters. That is an excellent idea. It was sounds of fun. Was Quinn Hightopple in the tavern? Because no, he's only 16. He's not. That's why I kept him out. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the drinking age is in Phandalin. I don't think that there is anything like a, a drinking age in fantasy literature. Okay. I think well, then I guess he could have went. Because I feel like you see like you, 
children of his age actually like working the bars. It's not like Seattle where you can't even go near the bar. Right. Uh, if you're under can't 18. even bust the dirty glasses. Right. Exactly. Can't even have it be absorbed through your skin at all. You can't even walk past a bar. You can't even look at a bar. <laughs> you can't even say the word bar. What? Oh my God! You said bar. <laughs> you're grounded for a month. <laughs> Um, that's what you do with Quinn. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I feel like I only just went through some of the amazing stuff that's coming, uh, for the latter half of 2019. Uh, but that's, but lots. there's a lot there. Stuff. There's a lot there. Um, and of course we talk to, uh, you know, uh, folks here in the D and D office about cool pieces of lore having to do with a lot of these products. Yes. And, uh, I, I've been talking to Chris Perkins, so let's, let's, let's hear it. Why not you? And I think you should listen to this one so that you know all about celestials and fiends I will. and how they're made. It's lore I should know. Y- you really should. Okay. All right. Well, let's bing bong it up. Welcome to another Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Mr. Chris Pierkins. Hello. Pierkins. Pierkins? Pierkins. Chris Pierkins? On this Lore You Should Know segment where we delve into Dungeons & Dragons lore just for fun or for use in your game, we are going to talk today about Knights of the Shield and the Knights of the Unicorn. What are these two groups? I don't think I've, before I received your electronic mail about this subject, I don't think I knew what they were. They are an obscure bit of lore uh, in the Forgotten Realms campaign setting. But pertinent timing-wise to this particular podcast, because pretty soon we're going to be releasing Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Right. September 17th. There we go. And both the Knights of the Shield and the Knights of the Unicorn live there. Uh, or have homes, have homes there, basically. In Baldur's they're based, Gate. They're based in and around Baldur's Gate. Oh, I see. Uh, and you've described Baldur's Gate as being uh, kind of a, a den of scum and villainy. It, it is kind of a crappy place to live if you're not good with the sword. <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's kind of run by the mercenaries uh, as far as Correct. on the... On the, on the yes. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about the, the Knights of the Shield and the Knights of the Unicorn are they were developed separately and, as concepts. But they kind of are echoes of one another. Okay. Um, I'll start with the good line ones first, the Knights of the Unicorn. Because I think this is a fun group that, as a DM, if you wanted to make that a central thing of your campaign and have the characters actually become members of this, mm-hmm. that would be pretty cool. So the Knights of the Unicorn originated as an adventuring band Oh, uh, that started out in Baldur's Gate and then started to have their adventures up and down the coast, not too far away from the town. And at some point during their campaign, they, uh, while they were ferreting out bandit groups and making the roads safer for travelers everywhere, they discovered that the bandits have this massive stronghold and decided that, well, we're not going to assail this ourselves or we're just going to get killed. Mm. So what these clever adventurers did is they went back to Baldur's Gate and they, they assembled an army of mercenaries. And then they carted this army up to the bandit stronghold and kicked Mary Butt and prevailed and said, huzzah, this was fun. Now what do we do? And a bunch of them, at least 50 of them, said, let's stay together. And so what do we call ourselves? Well, I like that Knights of the Unicorn name you came up with, Bob. And so uh, it stuck around no longer as an adventuring company but as a mercenary company. Oh, all right. So like the, uh, like the Golden Company or something like yeah, that, Yeah, right? exactly. Very much so. And with a, with a mission objective of, we're going to kick evil's butt. 
wherever wherever it shows up and hopefully get some money for it. Did they take the <laughs> the stronghold that they had just cleaned cleaned out no. as, their, as their base of operations? No, I think it was full of poo and other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like that's going to take too much yeah. time. Yeah, but they've always uh, sort of maintained a hold in Baldur's Gate as sort of their base or their their center of operations. So. Um, so they kind of live there, and then they strike out from there, doing good things for good people. The other thing that they're known for of late, and you know, within the past, because they first started doing this over a century ago, okay. in terms of the current timeline. Yeah, and the group still exists, but obviously most of their members don't. They've had some revolution turnover. Turnover. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the knights of today have also made it their mission to help other groups of adventurers because they haven't forgotten their roots. So if another group of adventurers has an evil that they can't deal with, the knights will go, we have an army. Yeah, we're here Can for we you. <laughs> yeah. For a modest fee, <laughs> we will gladly offer our services and help you smite evil's butt. And so that's what they do. That's their whole shtick. And when, uh, when were they kind of created or written into the, into the lore? So they uh, first, um, I believe their first real appearance in codified lore was the second edition Forgotten Realms product, um, Gold and Glory, okay. which was a, a small, kind of thin, soft-bound book that described mercenary companies of the realms. Oh, We actually made a product dedicated to just describing this kind of thing. Interesting. Uh, yes, so Gold and Glory, uh, and they, there's literally scores of these organizations detailed in the book, and the Knights of the Unicorn is one. Got it. Uh, and it, it hasn't been used a whole lot. Like, we haven't seen Knights of the Unicorn adventures popping up all over the place or anything like that, partly because they're a good-aligned organization and those tend to... There might be a lot of bad guys within them. Or, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. And, and they're pretty dedicated about maintaining their mission statement. So uh, there hasn't been any drift over the years. That's good. Yes. So that's where they first showed up. And they've gotten sort of nods here, there, and everywhere. Are they the most famous mercenary company on the, West, on the uh, Sword Coast? Probably not. Um, but they're, they're, they're kind of up there. We actually, as a, just a point of backstory, we entertain the idea of bringing them forward with 5th edition as one of our... Um, factions? All-star factions. Ah. Uh, so... Um, That's interesting. Ultimately, we felt that they sort of um, crossed a little too cleanly with the Harpers, who also have this kind of very altruistic help-adventurers mentality. Yeah. Uh, and the Harpers were more, a little bit more interesting because of their secretive nature um, and their, their espionage uh, penchant. Right, so, and if you were going for more warriors or knights, you might exactly. do Order of the Gauntlet. And that's how we else. ended up with Order of the Gauntlet, actually. Yeah. When the Knights of the Unicorn, we felt, overlapped too much with the Harpers, the Order of the Gauntlet came in as an alternative. So that's just a little bit of side lore. Interesting. Yeah, so um, in the modern day, we don't exactly know who the leaders of the Knights of the Unicorn are, partly because they don't champion themselves as, like, they don't put each other up on pedestals in a weird way. They're just out to do good things, Um do they have like a, a house in Baldur's yeah, Gate? Like they, they're, they're... They, they have, um, so it's not advertised, uh, mostly because they don't want some of their enemies coming back and taking them out. Got it. Makes sense. They're actually really smart. Um, so they live in Baldur's Gate, but nobody knows where. Okay. And most people don't even know who their leaders are. Oh. So it's, 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 yes. it's more of a flat yeah. organization. Exactly. So if you were to meet a bunch of them and they would come to you, you might talk to several of them, like a half dozen who all seem like they could be leading it, but you're not sure which one of them is actually leading it. And they don't wear any heraldry or anything like that? Um, they, I think that they have some symbology that they can use, like if they're charging on a ridge and they all want to look like a unified force. But when they're dealing with you in private, 
They or don't. when they're just mulling around, mm-hmm. you don't know who they are. They don't have like a horse's head on <laughs> with, with a unicorn. They're wearing a big tall unicorn horn on their heads or their helmets. <laughs> I don't know why people keep yeah. fighting me. I don't know why I keep getting stuck in doorways. <laughs> <laughs> Dang this horn. Yeah. Why did I join them? Yes. Um, but, they, but they are proud of what they do. And, and uh, when, they, when, they, when they're on your side, you feel pretty good. And, it, and, and it, well, sorry to interrupt, but like the yeah. idea that, that they're based in Baldur's Gate too is also very interesting because it seems to be very, uh, uh, you yes. know, not what the city is about right now. Right. So yes. have they have thought of moving or is it just like, this is our home, this is where we are? Well, it's their home, it's where they are, but they can also do good in Baldur's Gate and in, in Descent into Avernus, there's a, a little mention of that, that the characters might actually get a little bit of help from them if they get into deep water. Baldur's Gate is a tricky fish for them because it's a bit it's 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 hard to clean up a political mess. You can go to a keep of monsters and wipe them out and feel you know done. Right, uh, that's a job well done, fellows. Uh, but it's messier in Baldur's Gate, and you can't always tell who the good guys are from the bad guys are, and you can't just go up and kill all the nobles. the dukes yeah. and nobles um, on suspicion of whatever. Right. And expect the city to still be able to function and money to still come in and things like that. So there's a lot more at stake and it's a lot more complicated. They're the kinds of guys who, okay, that evil wizard over there with his army of undead, that's pretty clear. We can take that out without too much repercussion. But once it gets into yeah. politics and, right. and uh, policy, yes. they can't do much. And they still have to put you know bread on the table and stuff like that. So they don't do it for free. You know, They just assume have Baldur's Gate pay them to take out some other evil threat and be well-regarded and move on. And are they well-regarded by the, by the nobility and the people of, of um, Baldur's Gate? Those who know of them or have heard of their deeds would fear slash respect them for their capableness over the years. It's unclear, and we don't say anywhere, how, just how big they are now. Uh, like how many members? Right. Yeah. So they may have shrunk. Who knows? Maybe there's just... One guy, <laughs> just one, one, one lady is like, I can kick all y'all's yeah, asses. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it it could be really small. Yeah, um, we've never we never circled around and said exactly how many there are. Well, I like that idea of of, of player characters joining this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yes. that seems really kind of because fun. because it is it is a welcome home for adventurers and it caters to the adventurers' ethos and sort of style. Um, it's absolutely a place where they can find a home and get some resources and some help in need. And it's kind of got a cool sound to it. Nice of the unicorn. You yeah. sound pretty badass. Yeah, right. Yeah. Then you've got the Knights of the Shield. Okay. They are publicly known. Um, their exact numbers aren't known, but it's estimated to be in the many dozens, if not scores, possibly hundreds. Okay. And this is an organization that is spread out across the Sword Coast with its strongest proponent in Baldur's Gate and the surrounding lands of Tether, Amun, um, places like that. It is, it is openly seen. There's a, there's a public face and then there's a secret face. Oh. The public face is, we call ourselves Knights of the Shield, but really what we are is a coalition of allied merchants who are looking after our mutual best interests. And if you mess with one merchant in the Knight of the Shield... The others and their mercenaries are going to come and mess you up. Hmm. So it is this kind of – it's similar in some respects, not exactly the same as the Zentarum, which has um, – Some uh, mercantile kind of – Connections. Yeah. Uh, this is – this feels a little looser. 
Um, you can, if you're a merchant in the Knights of the Shield and you don't want to be in the Knights of the Shield anymore, you can t- take your stuff and walk away. Right. Um, it's a mutual beneficial. It's a mutual beneficial pact essentially among a series, a cabal of merchants, uh, or a or a cartel. A cartel, yes. And it also not just merchants, but also nobles um, who who pour a lot of money into the organization to safeguard their own interests mm-hmm. and their own estates. So it's a combination of of the two, really. And so you can deal with Knights of the Shield stuff to get mercenaries. You can buy other stuff from them as well. Just about anything under the sun can come from them. And all the money, of course, flows back into their individual coffers. Then there's the secret face of the Knights of the Shield, which is the, it's a, it's the leadership that kind of holds it together, takes a slice of everything, and has much more insidious um, base to it. Uh, it's a very small group. It might be as few as a couple dozen. Okay. Um, based in Baldur's Gate and other big cities like Athkatla and Zazaspur and so on and so forth along the Sword Coast. And they uh, are basically getting information from a powerful extraplanar being trapped in a shield. Ah. Uh, this being calls itself the Hidden Lord. And the lore is that it is a celestial being who's basically confined to the shield, and these people can talk to it, get secrets, pry secrets out of it, and information out of it, and then use that for their own betterment, or to facilitate changes in governments up and down the sword coasts. So if they don't like the way the Knights of the Shield are being treated in, say, Baldur's Gate, the, this inner circle of the Knights of the Shield can, using the guidance of this very intelligent shield, eliminate any politician or other force uh, standing in their way of uh, changing the government. All right. For their better. So in some ways, they're kind of like the CIA. (laughs) 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 And and how the CIA treats like uh, governments in South America and other uh, parts of the world where they can can go in and and facilitate a change. Um, But... So my question is, the Celestial is a good-aligned being. Is it being... It is not. Oh. It turns out. Ah. Uh, the, the, the Hidden Lord, as it calls itself, is not a Celestial at all. It is lying to them. It is a very, very powerful devil. Oh. Named Gargoth. Gargoth. Yes. And it has been trapped in the shield for a long, long time. Gargoth has got a long and storied history in the game, although most people don't know it. Um, he has, in the Forgotten Realms, at various times been worshipped as a god mm-hmm. and uh, has had enough worshippers at certain points in time to actually have godly powers and to met out spells and things like that to priests and such. Uh, but in, in Gargoth's true form is that of a basically a pit fiend or a, a very powerful devil. And was it a group of adventurers that trapped it in a shield? Um... It's it's a little unclear about that, but yes, powerful good figures trapped him in a shield, and then and it was then, uncovered. Yes, it was and uncovered. It used its deceptive yes. nature as a devil. And it has basically been deceiving for ages, um, for 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 many many years, to uh, get what it wants. We've never come out um, in in products lately and told you exactly what Gargoth is up to. Like de- devils 
highly intelligent, and often their schemes are wrapped in more schemes, map wrapped in more schemes. So one delicious. thing is certain is that Gargoth would like to be free of the shield. Um, and part of the struggle he's having is he doesn't know how to get out. Mm. And so him trading information to this circle of powerful individuals who lead to this organization of merchants, nobles, and mercenaries is to figure out if they can help him get out without telling them what it wants. Fascinating. So it might have them go after and kidnap somebody like a sage who might have information that could lead to Gargoth's freedom. Uh, and he'll, he'll, he'll contrive some other reason why they want the sage so that it seems to them, you know, beneficial. Right. And they won't necessarily know why the shield is interested in the sage. Do the leaders, do the merchants, like, have an idea that they're being manipulated or deceived some and they do, don't care? Some do and some don't. Uh, and that's part of the, the sort of interesting texture of yeah. this organization. Uh, over the years, there have been individuals who have either sensed or outright known that what they were dealing with was a trapped god or a trapped devil. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the last uh, protector of the shield was a noble, a powerful noble of the Sword Coast named Inselm Hune. And uh, when Hune died, the shield was kept in his crypt with him um, uh, for years and years and years and years and years. He knew. He knew what he was dealing with. And he was an evil SOB. Uh, Hune was? Yes. Oh, okay. And had no compunctions. I mean, he rose to great power. Using the shield? In the re- in using the shield and right. the knowledge that it imparted to him. Um, and so, and he was closer to the shield than most of them get. Like some of them might have momentary interactions with it, but he actually had it. Because he, he wielded it. He or was, he, he was, yeah, he, he, he guarded it. He kept it. Um, and so, and others have done so over the years. Uh, is it a plus five shield? <laughs> the shield is actually um, uh, in the magic items that are in the uh, adventure. Yeah. Uh, Baldur's Gate descent into Avernus. So if you want to know exactly what the shield can do, and what Gargoth is up to, that's the place you'll, you'll go. To you, get might, that you might have to, to have a few quests to figure yes. that out. It's a cool-looking shield because the shield originally was a celestial shield. It's, sort of, it's this beautiful golden shield with this celestial face on it. But after Gargoth was imprisoned in it and kept in it for so long, the face on the shield has warped to take on a more fiendish aspect. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So you might be like, this is a great shield. But you're like, wait a uh, second, there's something off about uh, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. neat. Yes, and you may, if you find the shield, um, be drafted to help Gargoth to freedom. Yeah. And what he offers you in exchange is actually pretty tantalizing. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, those two orders of knights are, are pretty interesting. Are they aware of each other and diametrically opposed? They, they are aware of each other. They would probably have to be at this point. Um, they have never come into conflict, oh. as far as I know. At oh. least nothing codified. There might be something, some mention of some adventurer from one interacting with another, but... In your campaign, these two things seem to fit very nicely together. If the Knights of the Shield feel that there's some object, a.k.a. this shield, that's basically affecting all kinds of evil shenanigans in the land, it may be certain people in the Knights of the Unicorn would be of a mind to take that shield away and possibly destroy it or Mm -hmm. hide it or throw it into a volcano or something uh, so that its influence can't taint anymore. There's also something that the knights may, that might, as far as adventure fodder goes, 
and some of this is covered in Descent into Avernus, this idea that the shield, because of its presence in Baldur's Gate, is actually the reason why Baldur's Gate is such a terrible place. Because it basically seethes all of this evil and conniving you know, energy around it and, and, and is, just, uh, is just so, so bad and malignant that were it to be removed from the city, you would see Baldur's Gate become less of a horrible place. Might be a different, different place altogether. Exactly. And that, that might be a reason why the dead three are there yes. even. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. So you know, it, it might be like a, a lightning yeah. rod right. for, for evil. So in the adventure, because you do have a chance to interact with a shield and possibly even take it, mm. um, if you're of a mind to, <laughs> uh, you will doubtless make enemies of the Knights of the Shield in so doing, which may make you allies of the Knights of the Unicorn who have to come to help you when you get way in over your head oh, against you need, the Knights of the Shield. You need an army? Here yeah. you go. You're being, you're being chased by an army? Well, we've got the cure. Right. By the way, you should probably go to hell and get rid of that shield. <laughs> that might be a good idea. Yeah. That's probably where it belongs. Awesome. Well, uh, very interesting uh, orders that I didn't know about, and I mm-hmm. hope more D&D fans will be able to incorporate them when uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus comes out on September 17th. Very exciting stuff. Uh, thanks, Chris. Absolutely. If people want to get in touch with you and ask you all of these questions about named people within these groups. Uh, I am on Twitter at Chris Pyrkins. Chris Pyrkins. D&D. <laughs> you have to say it like that when you type it. <laughs> Chris. There are now Ys in my name. That shouldn't be there. Chris. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and we'll be back with some more fun lore at another time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Wasn't that? <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you learn everything you needed to know about sure those did. things? Thank That's great. you. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you're now uh, like more knowledgeable. I know. I feel like, like, I, like I leveled up. You leveled up? I do. You are like level I two. I leveled it up. I am. <laughs> level two. You're level two. Thank you. After all these years. Thank you. Finally. You know who has like leveled up to like level 35? I think so. Who? WWE superstar Ember Moon. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Let's, listen, get hype. Get ready for this interview because it's coming at you. <laughs> WWE superstar Ember Moon Woo! is here. I want to throw my chair. <laughs> I'm so excited. Are you properly trained? <laughs> I feel like I am. As, as a How are you doing? Teenager. I'm great. I'm I'm excited. I'm really pumped. <laughs> like super jittery, excited, nervous, caffeinated up, like ready to go. Yes. Oh, right. That's Me exactly too. how we like our guests. I've had like four of these and I'm ready for a fifth. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Um so you've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for, for a while on our show called Up Up Down Down. How's that been going? Yeah. Um, it's awesome. We actually have our D&D show where we do like a homebrew version of 5th edition um, with WWE superstars. Uh, and we just have fun. Like D&D is fun for us. You know, it's it's great. Like we're two seasons in working on the third season now. So uh, but I've been playing way longer since before that started. So as part of the inspiration of how that started. But nice. yeah, when, when did you start? What was your what was your first uh, uh, session playing um, D&D? Oh, uh, I can't tell you the year because I feel like I can't remember that. But I remember uh, 
it had to be maybe 11, 12 years ago, something like that, mm-hmm. um, playing second edition. And it was because we had gotten to a weird spot on wrestling on the independent circuit where we just didn't have anything to do. There were no shows. And so a friend of mine had, who had uh, DM'd before he got into wrestling was like, hey, let's play D&D. And I was like, what? No, that nerd stuff? Nah, I'm good. And then he was like, oh, just try it. And Lord behold, I fell in love with it. Like, it's one of my favorite, favorite things to do on my off time. Like, we try to play once a week, twice a week if we can. Nice. It, it's awesome. What so, was it that, that made you love it? Um, It just kind of took me out of my world that I was dealing with. And, like, yeah. with all the travel and, like, you know, wrestling, it's hard on your body. It's hard on your family. But just being able to chill out, relax, and forget about, like, real world problems and have to worry about, Hey man, how are we going to break into this tavern? Just still a couple, you know, barrels of brew or, <laughs> you know, whatever. Hey man, that guy seems real shady in that alchemy lab over there. Like those are like problems that just kind of take you out and just let you relax and chill and you can be anyone you want to be. That's great. Yep. Awesome. And the first session you you played in, you you were saying uh, uh, you, you were playing a healer. Is that right? You were playing a, a cleric. <laughs> yes, I was playing a uh, cleric human, which is even worse. Uh, she was a priest of Mistra because oh. we started in second edition. <laughs> right. You know that dreaded Thaco learning math. Oh my god! It was quite hard. That's how you learn D anD D, and you were still like, I love it. This is awesome. Yep, all of it. Yeah, and uh, I became the healer. I remember having many a temper tantrum of running out of spells and not being able to do anything. So swinging a mace or a flail at that time. And at that time, I think the initiative role was like a 12 for just to swing a mace at that time. <laughs> so it was just so much anger that I had like toward being a healer. And, like, <laughs> I, I like that. I like don't that. Play healers ever again. Like I want to hit things really fast. I don't want people to depend on me. And so shortly after that, I became a wizard where I would fireball just the general area and who cares who's fighting there you know if your teammates are there you know they'll get roasted they'll get a little toasty you know they'll be all right for the wizard (laughs) so i have uh basically killed off a couple of my party members oops because i got fireball happy when i was a wizard so you know i've I've played every class i like that you were like all right healer no i'm gonna go to hurting my party members not heal them the opposite well, like I wanted to be like this like powerful mage and just like be like, yeah, I can do lightning over here. I can do fireball over here. And and the party who were all like barbarians and thieves who were like trying to get in close to get attacked. I was like, eh, I'm going to win. Who cares about the team? Oh, wow. There's an eye somewhere in the bird, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the healer's problem. <laughs> To be able yeah, to bring them back healer. up, right? <laughs> I just I like the whole idea of having this angry healer. Like I, now, I kind of want to play this character that's just like angry and bitter about having like to curmudgeonly, heal them. Yes. like oh gosh, I uh, guess fine. <laughs> I got hurt again. Like an angry like recess monitor or something. Like oh, these kids keep falling off the jungle gym. What yeah, am I supposed fine. to do with them? Exactly, <laughs> exactly like that. that. That's exactly what it was. So you're playing. So you were learning and those early games were with other professional wrestlers? No. So, uh, well, kind of, it was just kind of like, a. so my current husband, uh, my boyfriend at the time, um, we would play together with his best friend and like just whoever would show up. Like yeah. it could be anyone from someone that was working the concession stand at a wrestling show to maybe someone that was an announcer. Like we played with like 
anyone who just kind of wanted to jump in and have an experience. Then we played That's a cool. friends of friends of wrestlers because they were intrigued. Like it was just a bringing together with Cheetos and Mountain Dew and all the good stuff, you know. And we just had fun, you know. Yeah. When it was was it when you were on tour? So like when you were like, oh, here's some downtime. We got hours to kill and that type of thing. Um, so it was before I was on. Um, kind of like the WWE level. So we have this independent circuit, which is best kind of described. Uh, and I hate using this term, but it's just the easiest way to determine it. Like, kind of like the minor leagues and yeah. then WWE is the major league. So there's a lot of staying at home. I kind of book my own schedule. You know, if I don't want to work one week, I don't have to, you know, type thing. Yeah. So we would kind of see who was in town and we would play like uh, one of my favorite adventures that we played was Ravenloft. Like nice. to this day, like that's, that's my jam. Like, I, I want to play it once a year, every year. Like uh, we're actually doing uh, the fifth edition module right now uh, for the very first time, which uh, Ravenloft was already big. I didn't know it could get bigger <laughs> on any <laughs> level. So I'm, so I'm super excited about that. I actually uh, just bought like a model to build Castle Ravenloft. Oh my God, uh, really? Yeah, like um, I would show you the boxes, but it looks like chaos on the other side of this room right now. I'm actually in my D&D room. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Hence the castle in the but background. Yeah. yeah, we'll pretend like this is Castle Ravenloft. Oh my god! But like it's in a whole bunch of boxes, and we still have to build it. So that's that really cool. Awesome. But it's one of my favorite modules. Um, I love that you have yeah, a D and D room. I, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, like, I know you guys can't see, but I like I have D twenties like dice pictures that in the shape of dragons. Like you can kind of see my dragons up here. Ooh, is that a, a skull? Too. Dragon skull up there. Yeah, yeah, I got a dragon skull up there, but I love dragons. So, like, there's actually just dragons littered across this entire room with dice and d20s and chests and all sorts of craziness. (laughs) Is this the room where you play D and D, or just where you keep all your where you display everything? (laughs) Your display room or the playroom? So, like, this is where we play D and D. Like this big uh, cabinet right behind me. This is where all of the books are, the dice, the equipment there, like. On this, like you guys are actually on. Uh, my husband has gotten into painting minis, so oh. in front of me is just paint and minis, and like he made a little forge uh, homebrew over there. So like this is this is where the magic happens for us right wow. here in I this love room. That. I love it too. I like that it's something that you both enjoy and you both do. Like usually, like there's maybe one partner has like the room where I do my crafts and the other room like the room where like I paint my minis or something. But you guys like are all in on this together. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Like we started playing together. Like since day one, we've been like D and Ding together. I don't know, gaming, adventuring. Oh, Was like he new to D and D too? Uh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, like, yeah, we started together from second edition, to third to three point five to four to all the way to currently. So, you know, we've been playing together, and it's a really cool like relaxation time for us to the point where currently we are a married couple, which we've never done before. Oh, we're the interesting. In our current, in our current uh, adventure, I like that. So it's uh, oh, it's fun. Like his uh, his character, like I was raised by wolves. And so he was a hunter who killed all the wolves and found me. But I don't know who slaughtered my family, but we ended up being married. And I'm trying to get him to turn into a werewolf. Which works out perfect for Ravenloft, if you can imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So do you, do you like playing with your, your husband? 
<laughs> of course she does. Because <laughs> I don't. I do not. I like find no, like parts I of his personality that really annoying when he plays D and D. Really. <laughs> um, I think it's the other way around. I enjoy playing with him, but he may get irritated with me because I'm very much so. It doesn't matter what class I play. I'm always going for the treasure, even if I'm not in that room. Like uh, if I'm like, oh, if I'm like barely walking through this room, and someone's like, oh, I found a chest, and I'm like, oh, I roll it, and I'm like. <laughs> 30 feet back. I'm like, no, no, no. I called this on that. That's mine. No, that's mine. You can't have it. Put your mage hand on it. Mine. Mine, mine. <laughs> exactly. He gets, he gets so um, upset at uh, me making terrible, like, D&D decisions. Like, uh, <laughs> terrible D&D. <laughs> we <were> doing... <laughs> that's how I feel. So there's a there's a part in Ravenloft where like you go into this abandoned windmill and I'm playing a ranger of this adventure, which I never really do too much. And I talk to animals, this crow's like dangers inside. I'm like, Ooh, let's go. You know, cause that's what we do as adventurers. And we go in and we're sneaking in and, um, <laughs> there's a barrel of like black acre or black liquid. And I go, Ooh, I dumped that over to see what it is. Just not thinking. And he's like, we're sneaking. What are you doing? I was like, Oh, Curious. Was there anything in it? <laughs> well, it was just black liquid. <laughs> it was nothing. And so we alerted the hags and had to fight the hags oh, three no. on one versus being able to pick them off one by one. <laughs> just, I, I can relate to your husband because you play exactly like my husband does. He'll just like oh, see yeah. a bookshelf and he's like, oh, I'll just tip it over. But why? Yeah. Why are you tipping it over? Right. There's no need to tip over the bookshelf. So my thought process was, is that there was something at the bottom of this barrel that I needed that may have been magical, but I didn't know if the liquid was acid or if it was like a jelly ooze or I, I didn't know. You never know what's going right. to happen, you know? So I was like, yeah, of the but fun. I wasn't thinking. I could have I done that later. I really could have. <laughs> I just was like, oh, this is the first thing I thought of. I'm helping. I'm helping. I'm, I'm helping. There could be treasure. There could be a magic item yes. that could help you kill the hags in the there, bottom yeah. of the liquid. A hundred percent. And what liquid, was- like as it's flowing out of a barrel, it's probably it seems like it would be quiet. I mean, it's not like you dumped over like a bucket of rocks or something. It's right, just like, like a, oozy liquid. A, 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 a cowbells. You're like, I'm going to pour out this bucket of cowbells. This will be fine. Well, it was it was basically like I tipped over the entire barrel, so it was just big. Well, okay, so that yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, I can see that. Not helping the party at all. Well, I love that, and you're definitely all in. I saw your your tweet the other day of of uh, going to a game store and and bringing back a big pile oh, yeah. of loot. Um, I still do it. Like, so I actually like right under this, uh, you guys can see, I have another brick of nice. The oh, wow. figurines right there that's underneath my castle, um, you know, scenery. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I actually went there and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go into the comic book shop. I'm not going to get more D and D stuff. And I'm, Oh, look, they have these this week. So very much so like I have almost every book imaginable behind me imaginable in this like thing back here yeah so like i'm all in like i still need more players handbooks and stuff but just it's the small things that make the adventures great so like as many figurines as we can get like as much scenery as we can get too. like we're we're just all in on trying to make this a really cool experience for us across the board that's awesome i love all that there's just so much accoutrements that you can get and make it 
I don't know. I love the ticky tacky stuff. Uh, I don't have the time or the or the money, honestly, to make all the 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 scenery type things. But uh, I, it's like a dream. It's like oh, that's you know. First, I need to get a D and D room, and then yes. I need to get like the scenery like happening. And then you can build your crafts in there. And I'll build my crafts in there. Yeah. Yeah, like literally, we just have like a whole bunch of like old picnic tables like strewn out, and like I was like, "Ooh, maybe we need to get a tablecloth or something to make this a little bit nicer." But we're like, "Nah, it's all right." It's like we got them all at like garage sales and WalMarts, and you know what, whatever pop by, you know. But like, it was the one thing when we moved back home from Orlando that I was like, "I really want a D and D room. I really just want a room that's dedicated to this." Like, and that's like everyone comes in, everyone's so relaxed. I've been playing with this group for almost six years now so we have the same core group it's me my husband his best friend who were the original three as we like to say it and then like we have some people that come in and out and then our uh, dm and his wife uh we met them like five six years ago and we just fell in love and we're like all right let's try this gaming situation you know how you play with someone for the first time you're like oh i don't know how this is gonna work it was like magic and we just been playing ever since like it's awesome that's cool and so the dungeon master is not you or your husband have you ever have you ever done that have you ever wanted to jump in um (laughs) so my first dm experience was uh, my last i wanted to give the original dm that we met like a break from dming i was like this doesn't seem too hard you get a little module you read the module and then you kind of you know go along so I don't remember the exact module, but like I didn't really read through it all the way. I didn't really know all the rules. I was like, yeah, I guess you can do that. Or yeah. And so it came to the point where they found a random magical item. And I was like, oh, well, roll your percentiles. This is this. They got a Vorpal Blade and they're like second level. Oh, and, man. <laughs> but that's what they roll for. And <laughs> I didn't know that there were different in second edition at that time. There were different charts based on levels and all right. sorts of stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, they have this horrible blade that's going to be here. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. This is difficult. You know, nothing made sense. Like, we're astral plane traveling for some reason. I don't know. (laughs) But it was fun. It was was fun enough. I don't know if I would try it again, just because I had so much more of an appreciation for the DM after we played. I was like, oh, my God, you do so much more stuff than I thought you did. I thought you just read a book, and you're like, hey, you do this, or hey, this happens. And it's so much more to that. It's changed. Crazy. It's changed over time too. Because I spoke to uh, a guy who used to play in the '80s, and and I would play with him now. He's just getting back into it, and he's like, "Oh, these, you're way different than we played this." Because they would get a module like Ravenloft or whatever, <laughs> and they would just be like, "All right, so you go into the next room, and here's the three monsters that are there." Okay, and then they would just play it like almost like a war game. They wouldn't do any of the the yeah. the real descriptions or or you know trying to make it feel like you're really there they just kind of ran it like a like a game and then they would take turns they're like oh yeah, dungeon like, masterings no, no yeah right? they, they didn't they didn't really care um and then now i feel like the the way the trends are you you, you it, there's so much more of a craft around making sure people feel uh uh that they're in this imaginary world uh, a lot more yeah, exactly. And fifth edition does like a really awesome job with like creating that story that goes for like 10 levels and then might continue on in the next book. Like, but they do a really good job um, of just telling that complete story from beginning to end. And like, I absolutely love it. So nice. it's, I'm totally down with you. Like I, I played with the DMs with the encounters and I get so mad. So I'm like, Oh, I wanted to role play. Yeah. Like I got this eight page story that I'm unraveling <laughs> right here. You know, and not being able to 
being able to like be like, but but this is a character flaw right here, you know, like in this, you know, not being able to role play that, like for for some of us that sucks yeah. so bad, and you just want to be like, some of us crave like the storytelling and being able to interact with. Uh, Billy Bob, the the janitor at the keep over here, or whoever else. Like I love Billy Bob the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> He's very well yeah. known. He's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Very popular NPC. <laughs> very popular. Um, so, do you uh, watch a lot of other people playing, like streaming wise or things like that? Have you watched Critical Role and and and, and consumed um, people playing? So, because of my travel schedule now, I find it very hard to watch. Um, the shows now like i've seen critical role which was awesome and fun and amazing i've seen acting live which was just a really fun experience and got to meet with some of them uh we did roll out live not too long ago at pax east sorry right it feels like forever ago but it was really like two months it was really two months ago <laughs> um, yeah in boston yeah first ever roll out live so a lot of the guys from acting helped us get that off the ground and stuff so it was like really cool it's like oh my god you're jim dark magic oh my god hi you know like <laughs> I'm being girl because I know who they are. Um, so yeah, but I watch, I watch when I can, but it's never consistent across the board. But then also like I'm playing my own stuff and, <laughs> you know, so it's like, ah, am I going to watch that play or would I rather want to play? I'd rather play. You right? know? That's, but that's it me cool too. To it is cool being able to watch them and see like their success. And I'm super happy that like the D and D world is booming up so much more. Like, I feel like every week there's something else going on and I'm like, Ooh, what's this over here? You know, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I I like seeing the different, like, ver- like ways that people play out there. Right. Cause there's, you know, mm-hmm. as you're saying, there's people who are like super role play heavy and love getting into their characters and, and feeling that, but there's also, uh, ones that blend more combat and tactics or, you know, more, uh, uh adventuring, type stuff and I love that there's yeah. these different flavors of Dungeons and Dragons out there that people can uh, can look at and be like oh this is how I want to run my game or, or or this is the type of game that would appeal more to me and I want to find players that would fit that bill see I remember us watching someone play and I don't think it was one of the bigger groups but they use um, ball bearings so we were playing 3.5 at this time yeah so someone got the ball bearings threw them out and there's a spell called like thunder wave that you can do that just basically blows everything and so we were like so the dm was like oh man so you just alerted 15 guards from their barracks they're coming at you and i was like and uh my husband's like throw the ball bearings down do thunder wave and so he throws the ball bearings in the air thunder wave and we're like all right how many did how many ball bearings did you have and we're like oh well that's something you just kind of get at the beginning of the adventure so we didn't know so you rolled a profile or something we had like 89 ball bearings what? and like we just obliterated oh my everyone this shotgun blast worth of stuff but i think it a lot of it also just depends on your dm and how your dm likes to play as well because like we had a dm that probably originally wouldn't let us do that because he likes to (laughs) we had a dm when we first started playing that one did win D &D. yeah so (laughs) so we had so many uh total party kills like i feel like we just got frustrated as a group and we're like hey man we want to you know it was (laughs) we don't want to die every session Although then you get to create more backstories. It was was kind of fun. That is true. If you you do have a TPK, then you have to create new characters, which is fun. It's kind of fun. Just don't get attached. No, I think we just committed to like characters at one point in time because we didn't really understand when we first started. Like, and it was, it was very much so, all right, guys, we're just going to do this little encounter. Like you go into this village 
and they're being kidnapped by kobolds, which we know that's everyone's favorite D&D villain when you start off at first level. Yeah. These dreaded kobolds for some reason that won't leave anyone alone. Like they have their own village. So we go into this village and we go into the first hut and there's a trap. Uh, which we set off immediately, which <laughs> alerts everyone. And then, of course, we went into the perfect, like, tent, too, which there's, like, two shamans, but all child, or, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, one hit, you're dead. And I'm like, what? Hold on, hold on. I didn't get to roll for initiative, but you but you did the trap, and, and it was like, no, I wanted to roll with the dice. So, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even let you roll? Oh, no. Oh, man. So, you know, just going from that to the way we play now, which is crazy, because without those experiences, though, we would never learn that, hey, we should probably search for traps like these. This is a thing that happens now. Yeah. But like failing so much at the beginning helped us like improve so much more. And then we had someone in our as well that is uh, trigger happy, as I like to call it, <laughs> like doesn't want to talk to anyone just wants to hack and slash his way through everything and that doesn't work for a lot of things no <laughs> and so i remember i remember we went into this keep with these like starved soldiers in a different adventure and he goes oh he insulted me i fight him and there's like 200 men here and we just watched him get up we were like nope we're sitting back on this one <laughs> you know <laughs> and he, he was so mad he didn't play with us for a month after that he was wow. like, that's not fair you guys were with my party you know you guys left me high and dry we were like you were in the wrong these people were just starving trying to get through their day and you're up here antagonizing for a month we didn't play because he was like no i'm taking my dice and going home <gasps> type situation <laughs> but did he learn eventually did he figure it out where he's like oh wait a second <laughs> we still play together. <laughs> Do you still play together? I mean, he's gotten better, but I think he he has played different characters that allow him to do these things, and it makes sense. Oh yeah. Though I'm like, eh. you still trigger happy. <laughs> yeah. I just sit back and watch the chaos happen. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's good from for a story perspective. Like it adds a different element There's when the, you have the, an instigator or yeah. like someone who's like gonna just make things happen yeah. can be good because sometimes you can just spend i mean i don't know i've spent hours in a session just debating Nothing's about happening. what we're going to do yes. and like trying to make a plan and i'm like all right just, let's just do something in that case you do need the characters that are going to knock the bookshelves over for no reason or like tip over a barrel filled with black goo or yeah or antagonize <laughs> helpless townspeople because then you do have story. And you got but, something to react to. Yeah. And it's interesting, though. like Because there's like, nothing worse than uh, going to a city and not finding the hook. Let me right. tell you about yeah. that. It's probably frustrating for the DM, <laughs> too. Maybe that's why they put the barrel of black goo in front of you. <laughs> that was it. You're like, <laughs> I, I can't resist. I don't know. Something yeah. might be I in it. I love that you're still trying to justify me knocking over this barrel. <laughs> <laughs> We're on your side. I am trying no to help you. I will not. I can't justify my husband knocking over the bookshelf, but... You two you should talk to each him. other's partners like you, and be like, You've yeah. seen him. Like, he's always, like, off on his own. He's always, like, doing things that, like, doesn't seem like... Yeah. Although you're, the you're, most I played with him recently, he's been playing the healer. So he, like, can't do any of that. He's playing a oh, centaur healer. That's weird. That needs to go up ladders. We're like, oh, ladders. On the one thing that centaurs can't do. Why would he do that? <laughs> it just was the way that the, the, the venture was. But he's like, okay, uh, what are you going to use your upper body strength well, also, to go like, up? The, it just feels weird, just, like, him, oh, like, laying so hands good. on you. I just want to see someone live action play that for me in my mind. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> like the centaur with the orbs trying, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> He's trying. Oh my god! And then, well, horses are big, right? They'd be like two thousand pounds, like trying yeah, to yeah, like careful healing. Like, ow, <laughs> you're pressing too hard. I know. <laughs> you're pressing too hard. Stop. Ow. Stepped on my foot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so funny. <laughs> so this is, I mean, I, I don't know much about wrestling. I was definitely a, someone who, uh, when I was a kid, just never got into it. My best friend was into it, and I was always like, ah, it's not my thing. Um, but I watched uh, Glow, the show Glow on Netflix. And, for, mm-hmm. and I was a theater person. I've done lots of acting and, 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 and producing theater. And for some reason, watching that show, like, it all clicked. I was like, oh, it's a, it's a performance. It's, it's, it's a... It's storytelling yep. through yes. the act of, of combat to a certain there's extent. There's a lot of D&D yes. in there. And then I started to think like, oh, it's basically yes. what Dungeons and Dragons is. Like Characters, there's very yes. so, backstory. So how how has it informed your 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 other career uh, uh, in doing that by playing, you know, D&D or, or is there a crossover in, in your mind at all? So maybe not for most people, but for me, my character, uh, Ember Moon, is based off of the Dean character that I actually had. Um, oh, wow. Which oh, that. So cool. Yeah, yeah which um, was a dark elf uh, mage, I believe. I can't remember. It's been so long because my favorite character is my half dragon. Um, but yeah, it was actually based off of a character I had called Nineeve, who is a... Um, half elf and I feel like I like multi-class or something that's why I can't really pinpoint it down like warrior mage type situation there oh, cool. and so like she had anger issues and like <laughs> just raged a lot so that was one of my uh flaws that I took uh that was a second edition character but she took um uh so in second edition they have the traits and like disadvantages and the more disadvantages she took the more skill points you could use to buy these cool things. And one of them was I had, I was quick to anger. I had anger issues. So I would just rage at everything and be like, Hey, I'd be like, what are you talking? (laughs) You know, what's (laughs) that to me? So like, that was one of the traits I took. And like, that's kind of like what I wanted um, this character to be just kind of quick to anger. And like, it's still in the development process of that, but still like uh, this character that you see before you is based off of my D and D character, like down to, gear down to everything entrance all the stuff so that is amazing (laughs) i didn't realize that so (laughs) was that part of your shtick like when you when you were pitching it or is it like oh i want to do this this is my D &D character or did you leave that aside and just be like oh no this is what i want it to be originally when i pitched the ember moon character it was something that they were like and that's not gonna happen you can't go around being a warrior with swords and banners and like that's just not gonna be a thing and i was like okay and then um it's funny because my debut promotional videos came up before i even really knew what i was supposed to be doing Mm. and i just got a text like from a random number uh from corporate saying hey we're playing these videos this is you and i was like oh is it now (laughs) and so i'm watching so i'm watching uh tv watching uh nxt at the time and i see this video and it's like this dark mysterious character which was not exactly what I pitched, but I was like so much more into it because I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I'm in the woods. Yeah, there's a red moon coming around. Yeah. And so like, I just went gung-ho. Like I have to be this D&D character. I have to do this, 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 this. And so at the very last end of it, I was like, oh, well, 
drows have like red eyes, purple eyes, that type thing. I was like, oh, I wonder if they'll let me do red contact lenses. And so I remember like I'm at my debut. It's the pay-per-view and I managed to get like red contact lenses that day. And I was like, okay, hey, I saw that you guys put these red eyes in the in the video thing. Can we just do red eyes across the board? And they were like, eh, I don't know. And I was like, ooh, could we please, pretty please? And they were like, and then when they saw it on camera doing like rehearsals of like entrances and stuff, they were like, yes, this is you. We love this. So I got like my dark L drow red eyes and nice. you know eventually my hair got to this uh but I had silver hair for a long time oh my that god was that's like amazing my, yeah yeah so I had silver hair for like I think a year and I love my silver with my red eyes and I was just my drow character from D D for the so longest great. time so like are your signature so, yeah. moves like based off of your character like things that like um I wish. I try to be as intense and aggressive as I can. Um, my finishing move is actually a top rope diving stunner, which is kind of like, <laughs> it's a lot of Spanish if you don't know wrestling that I'm saying to I, you right I now. I kind of do know. I feel like I, I'm pretty, I'm getting but, very versed in wrestling. Because of Quinn. Yes. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> but basically I jump off the top rope, do a corkscrew and grab someone by their head. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so I try to be a little bit of everything, but mostly it's just intensity and aggression with a little bit of high flying kind of out of nowhere type stuff. That's kind of like what my style is. I just kind of want to change all the time. Like I try to never do the same thing twice type thing. Oh, okay. That's cool. I, yeah, I I just like changing. Like it's, it's my jam, you know? Does anything (laughs) ever happen like in your D and D games combat wise? And you're like, I'm totally recreating this in the ring. Uh, there have been several times where I wanted to do like something like super acrobatic-y that I'm like, oh, I want to jump off this thing and like come down and like get him with my dagger or something, which never works out because I always fail the athletic role or the acrobatic check when I want to do cool stuff like that. But I remember for um, season two of Rollout, uh, the season finale when we had our big bad like it just turned into a wrestling match like the last five minutes and my character of course is dead on the ground like rolling my checks to stay alive at this point in time because that's what I do um, <laughs> and I'm just watching the chaos go by I'm like how did we turn D&D into wrestling <laughs> and so for a while after we filmed it we were trying to debate if we wanted to like because uh, we have like 2k and everything like that we wanted to mocap the ending to our D session because it was so pro wrestling nice. <laughs> that it didn't do it justice not to and we didn't end up doing it just because of scheduling differences and mostly because my character would have been on the ground like this <laughs> for the rest of the adventure but oh, you know it was so cool. it was really cool like it does play a factor into those things <laughs> I love that. I know that's awesome. I want to. I want to. Uh, uh, yeah, see more crossovers. Between you need there. to watch more wrestling. I need to watch will, more wrestling. That will help inform your D and D. Yes, exactly. For sure. <laughs> We've, I mean, people have pitched to us the idea of doing like a a, a a wrestling in a fantasy environment. Like, what would happen if someone invented something like WWE in the Forgotten Realms, and like what it would be like having that co- that combat and have like stars and names and have oh people promoters God. and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my god, that's such a fun idea. 
I think I would just want to be in that movie. Like, yeah. like imagine pro wrestlers get teleported to Faroon or Waterdeep and they have to function and find their way home. Like, oh my God, just put me in that movie yesterday, please. Thank you. That <laughs> like, would be, I would just want to see like the townspeople's reaction to like all these pro wrestlers just, just materializing in the right. world. I think they'd be like, okay, yeah, those are adventurers. Yep. Duh. Duh. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> they wouldn't be that, that, they'd be the one group of people from this world that wouldn't stand out too much in Faerun. <laughs> they'd be like, all yeah, right, right, yeah. Like shiny outfits. Shiny outfits. Oh, oh that so must cool. be magical armor right there. A lot of oh, underwear and socks. why is that guy just wearing tube socks and underwear? Oh, <laughs> okay, well, he's strong. That's his, he's strong, his uniform. Guess. Like, what's Give him a sword and see what he can do. Let's put this guy on the city watch. You know, I feel like like early early D and D art is kind of similar. Yeah, actually, a lot Keep of the early art was all very like yeah. you know buff Conan-y. Uh, Conan-esque. Yeah, yeah. So I we, we talked. Yes, <laughs> before before we started recording, we were talking about my son's infatuation with wrestling. He's six as of yesterday. So I feel Happy like birthday, it's time. Thank you. We can embark him on his his career as a professional wrestler. There was actually one. Exactly. I asked him once like about his name. And I was like, do you like the name we gave you? I'm just curious. And he was like, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm like, what do you want your name to be? And he goes, John Cena. <laughs> so for a while then we had to call him John Cena. Like, come eat your Cheerios, whatever. What? But I'm just curious, like what your how what your path was to to becoming a professional wrestler. Like, how did this happen? Um, to be honest, like uh, I was super nerdy and super tiny when I was in middle school, so I was always bullied a lot. Like, I mean, I grew up on the wrong side of town or the other side of town. I won't say wrong side because it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but I grew up on the other side of town, and kids in life that I talked to were that different. I read comic books all the time I would wear you know in middle school which is not supposed to be a thing I was wearing Sesame Street shirts and Barney you know to school because that's what I liked at the time and you know I just got picked on so much and kind of stood up for me who ended up getting bullied because she stuck up for me was a massive WWE fan Mm. and so we became really good friends I got sucked into this wrestling world and I was like you know what like I'm gonna become and we'd always be like we're gonna become wrestlers and so we can defend ourselves and stand up for ourselves and because we were afraid to even talk back to these girls that's how bad it was and so we got to the point where we would like come up with these personas and like, or we would pretend to be like the current wrestlers that were there, like Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and Ray Mysterio. We were like, oh, I'm going to do this to them when we go back to school. And then we go back to school and be like, oh, hey. um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but that's how I got like kind of sucked into the wrestling world. And like, as time went on, like she drifted away from it, but I got more and more sucked into it mm. like and i was like i'm like to the point where I, when i was in high school i was like all right i'm gonna go to this college because this wrestling school is around the corner from there and then then i'm gonna go to this you know i would plan like where i wanted to go to college around where wrestling schools were around wow. the uh united states so and then when i finally got to the point that I accepted to some of these colleges. My parents couldn't afford it. We couldn't do the student loans, that type of thing. So I ended up going to community college. But Lord behold, there was a school right on the corner. No <laughs> way. And 
just by happenstance, there was a school that opened up around the corner. So I was going to college, working two jobs. And then by night, like I was a vigilante wrestler by nighttime, you know, <laughs> by six o'clock. I'm running, you know, driving across uh, like two cities to go to wrestling training, then telling my mom I worked late and driving home, getting home at midnight. Like, oh, man, it was a rough night, mom. You know, they didn't know. Did Ooh, they not know like, you were in wrestling school? No, no, not at first. Like, so I was very like scared to tell them because I was very uh, academically like just driven for years. A straight A student from day one to the end sort of Thing. not bitten but sort of bitten <laughs> um but like so I didn't want to start wrestling fail at it and then have them say well we told you not to do it mm. so it was one of those things that I wanted to do for myself and I wanted to succeed feel on my own but I also wanted to have that like I didn't want to go through life thinking what if yeah yeah and what if what if I didn't try it what if I didn't you know at least go in and see what it was about. And I'm glad that I did because like for years and years and years, it was soccer, soccer in school, soccer in school, soccer will get you into a good school. So you play soccer, 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 school, soccer, soccer, school, 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 school. And that was just it for me. And so like, this was like kind of my first rebellious thing that I did for Mel. And so I fell in love with it. Like obviously worked hard, you know, got the dream job. And like, that's just kind of how it went for me. That's great. What what was the school like? So what are is it just like a gym where people go to and like the class you know <laughs> train together or or what? How does that how does that they work? So facilities now are absolutely amazing. Two three rings, you know, this nice enormous space with the little twenty four hour fitness or something in the corner. Um, what I got when I first started was a public storage building with a ring inside of it, and the ring was. 15 feet by 15 feet and the building was 16 feet by 16 feet. Oh my God. <laughs> what? So when you would hit the ropes or learn how to run the ropes, there were like inventions in the wall yeah. from where people went through the wall when they hit the ropes. So you had to run the ropes in a certain spot <laughs> or wow. else you would be hitting full fall. Wow. Uh, but there was also like no air conditioning, like now nowadays like i don't think people understand like how lucky they are because they have these facilities that have air conditioning and they have this amazing ring with all this space around the ring <laughs> you know they have people that care about them that care about their you know nutrition and hygiene and you know all sorts of stuff like the wwe performance center in orlando if you guys ever get a chance to do like one of, they do like visits and stuff like quarterly it's, it's one of the coolest experiences that you could have yeah. We're, we're going there like at, at, at around Christmas time. Oh, you're already planning. We, ha- we have a trip to Orlando. Yes, for, we were going to take him to Disney, but now I mean, you know what to do instead. I mean, yeah. this would be way cool. I mean, this they, is way cool. Like the performance center, all access, where you get to see the training facility. They do like a private show for everyone there too. You can see the gym. You can see how much work that they actually put into like. Um, us becoming WWE superstars. And it's a really cool experience. Like, I wish I could have gone as a kid and I wish that was around as a kid. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, going from this like, ooh, maybe we spent like a couple of grand to get this like tiny public storage unit for a year versus this multi-million dollar like beautiful museum of a facility that they have now. And going from that to this, absolutely like mind-blowing. I bet, yeah. <laughs> you know, but 
what I had is not what anyone else will have in their future. <laughs> but, but now you've got that story. You've got that like, well, yeah. back in my day, yeah. Yeah. we only had one foot <laughs> clearance <laughs> on outside of the ropes. You know, you know what's crazy is that like I've been doing this for 14, almost 14 years now. Um, and like, I act like that now. Like, and everyone's like, why do you act like you're 80? And I was like, well, back in my day, we didn't have AC at these units. <laughs> like, if I do it, I do it now, and they're like, "Oh, you're such an old lady," and like call me Auntie Ember. That's you know, like, it's like, oh man, like I've been doing this a long time. You boys don't know nothing, <laughs> you know. My Texas Southern accent. There comes you go. Out too, exactly. You know, Auntie Ember actually sounds really cool. That does sound like a hag that you'd be fighting against. Auntie uh, Ember. In, Auntie uh, Ember. From the plane of fire. So, do you do training and mentoring of of other athletes now? uh not so much like training um like i have several friends that like you know we all grew up together you know some of those guys just need that big break and like someone asked me for help i will give it to them you know close friends type thing but no everybody what about like a nice little six-year-old boy who (laughs) likes to go by the name john cena (laughs) no like um it's always been a dream of mine to open up a school, to be like that mentoring person, to train people, to do what I love. Like I've always just loved teaching. Like for now, like, you know, we have such a community backstage with the WWE, you know, there are always going to be those people you don't like, or that you get into little fights with, but for the most part, like we're a family, like a dysfunctional family. Yeah. (laughs) But we're a family. And like, so if someone needs help, I'll help them or if I need help, they always help me. And it's like a really cool atmosphere like of that, but it's always been us versus them. So you can't say anything about my family. Mm-hmm. And yeah. expect me to clap back, even though, it, like, even though I might not like the person, you know, but you know, it's, it's such a cool family atmosphere, but yeah, I've always wanted to run my own training school. Um, and like that's years down the road. Cause I feel like there's so much more that I want to learn personally yeah. before right. I get to that point. Did you ever talk, uh, reconnect with the the girl that was your friend? Yeah, I was going to uh, ask that. Who was a fan? I actually, I actually still keep in contact with her. Nice. Um, we had lost contact for maybe two or three years. And she had hit me up out of the blue just on a wild guess of like, hey, is this still your email? <laughs> like, you know, and it's not in, it's crazy because like, I feel like it was like faith that we were supposed to be reunited because it wasn't even an email that I use currently like uh, it was like oh man I bought this thing that went to this email oh now I have to log into this and do the verification code and literally within like I think she had sent it a minute before I logged in oh wow and I was like and I was like whoa this is creepy that is weird and so like I emailed her back and we you know we we try to hook up our schedules are just crazy different but we do stay in touch now currently oh good so. is she excited that you're a that you're a WWE superstar now she couldn't believe it. <laughs> she was like, what? This actually happened? This is where you went three years ago? Oh, my God. I'm <sighs> so excited. You know? And so she has a son and everything that too who's really big into professional wrestling and just sports entertainment as a whole. And so that's like one of the things that I like. I can't wait to like just come drive by one day and be like, hey, what's up? It's me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> his face. Because I haven't seen him since he was born. Um, oh, wow. so he's, oh gosh, he has to be like seven, seven or eight now, but maybe, maybe even older than that, to be honest with you. Like, I haven't seen him in such a long time that like, I'm just like, oh, I want to see him. I want to see his face. And That's you know, awesome. it's top story. You really are like Auntie Ember to him anyway. 
He has, a, <laughs> he has an empty ember. That's so sweet. I love it. I know. Uh, that's great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about like the 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 family dynamic and how there's you know conflict and blah blah blah, and that kind of happens on the 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 ring as well too, right? How does that? Yeah. How does how does this? I'm this is more of an outsider looking in. How do the stories get created? Uh, are they? Uh, I don't know. Again, how how close is it to a D and D session? Like in a way, like I mean, do you guys? Is it um, like, oh, we don't really know, but we'll just kind of improvise out of it, or is it all? Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I, I would like to describe like what we do in sports entertainment as a soap opera with fighting, like or like an athletic soap opera. You know, there's a good guy, bad guy. There's writers, and like we act out what they give to us. So that's kind of like the best way to describe it. Um, without going through too much detail because I got to protect the craft a little bit. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think athletic sports opera, there's always a good guy, a bad guy, and there is a story to be told with that. It's kind of like The Real Housewives. <laughs> That's Ooh. basically The Real sort Housewives. Of, I mean, that is a guilty pleasure <laughs> for for me. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I love reality Which, TV. By the way, I love that- The Real Housewives of Dallas. They're one of my favorites. Dude, and it's always on when I go to the gym. Like, it's like treadmill, boom. You I'm have like, the oh, best gym. Let's see the drama. I'd work out all the time. <laughs> do you have, do you guys have, do you have agency in it? Like, do you get to, like, oh, here's the, here's the story that the writers have come up with, but then, like, you can improvise within that? Or are there bullet points? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. There's, there's always, like, um, because, like, our staff is so enormous and it is so big and there's so many talented people. Um, so, like, with just my brand alone, I believe we have like 70 people that are just on my brand for a two hour show every oh my week. God. And so on oh the other God. brand, they have more people because it's a three hour show. So there's probably like anywhere from 150 to 200 talent, like just uh, wrestlers, entertainers there and then you have this ginormous writing staff that's trying to write all these awesome intricate stories for who they can when they can when the time presents itself and stuff like that so like they're (laughs) so i guess what i'm saying is is like not every writer can hone in on every character but they can come up with an amazing story and there might be some times that like they give something to me and i'm like ooh. i wouldn't say that like or that's not for me type thing um but yeah, that's when that improvising does come in. And I think like D&D does help with that because it's one of those like, ooh, I got to think on the fly or ooh, what would, what would you know, naive say or, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I had a one, one character that's a half drag. It's my favorite character. And every time like we start new characters, I pretty much like just leveled down my half dragon because I liked it so much. Yeah. I think I've done almost every class with her. Um, but she was made, <laughs> she was, she's not even like a real half dragon. She was some like, um, like construct of like wizards that kind of just fell into the wrong hands type thing. Ooh, cool. So the only words I knew how to say were half wagon for the longest uh-huh. time. So like something would happen and they'd be like, what do you think? I'd be like half wagon. And that'd be the only thing I would say for the entire adventure. But I was just the tank. Like I was a lovable, gullible tank. And like to the point now where I'm like educated and like we did all these weird homebrews with like comic book characters and stuff, which is really cool. And now I have like an epic shovel and <laughs> I call nice. myself the grave digger now. <laughs> oh, so this is all right wrestling and D is is very totally. much all through this dna here 
so like yeah so like just improvising and character growth is like what I really love and that's what I'm able to do at work and at home separately of course but it's just really cool to have those factors that kind of intertwine that help with creativity as well yeah and then we hear that from folks in 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 Hollywood who are doing you know both writing directing acting performing like they 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 like D&D because it's it's close to what they do for their day job, mm-hmm. but not exactly. And they get to do different roles and things that they wouldn't normally exactly. be able to do, but they tell exactly. stories. I mean, it's all about telling stories together. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's what it's, like I said, like you said it perfectly, like it's so close to what we do, but still far enough away to where I don't have to worry about like work and stuff like that. Like yeah. it's, it's work at play or, or play at work. I don't really remember the phrase. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like it's, it's I'm terrible at phrases. I really am. Um, But yeah, it's like a really cool way that, I don't know, it just kind of helps me mentally and just, it's, it's relaxing. Like I remember like when I'd be on tour for like three or four weeks, like in different countries, traveling from here to there to there to here. And I'd come home and I'd be like, Oh my God, I get to play D and D today. Like that is like the most, like I get to turn off my phone, throw it across the room and not be bothered for like six hours. And like, that's the best thing for me. Like it really is. And I get so excited. Like I really do. It feels like home. It feels like you're finally home. Yeah. It feels like I'm home and like, I'm just surrounded by good people too. That's great. That's important. Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, this has been great. I love uh, just hearing your enthusiasm. I know. It's amazing. Both for, for wrestling and everything about that. But then, of course, all of the storytelling. I mean, you know, it's anybody who can nerd out about a half dragon uh, uh, construct uh, is, is okay in my book. <laughs> yeah. that's. I mean, as you can tell, the dragons, like I told you, I have like thing. dragons everywhere. Yep. It's all because I fell in love with this character. And like, it's, it's great. Like, literally, like, I just won't throw I have like maybe six character sheets for this one character and I just won't throw them away I'll just be like oh we can level this one this version down and I can play this but like like I said like my my epic level half dragon is my favorite character that I've had and it's that's cool I love it now you should frame those and put them up on the wall in your yeah. D&D room See, I, I should. I don't have any more space on my walls. Like, I'm actually looking now that I'm like, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> the ceiling, the ceiling looks wide open. From like this thing, just, oh my God, yes. This yep. might be a thing now. That's a cool idea. <laughs> I like that. Um, so uh, if people uh, have, have, have never watched you or know where to find you, where, where would be the best place to, to kind of, you know, be an in for everything that Ember Moon is doing? Um, so you can always follow me on Twitter or Instagram. My Twitter is uh, WWE Ember Moon. If it's not verified, it is not me. <laughs> um, Instagram is WWE underscore Ember Moon. Uh, but you can always see me on Tuesday Night Smackdown uh, in the U.S. That comes on the USA Network. Uh, that's where you can see me perform. But you can always go to WWE.com and in the search bar, pick up Ember Moon and I'll bring up all my latest stuff. Uh, also check up our Up, Up, Down, Down channel, uh, which is where you can see us play D&D, where we roll out, nerd out, and just have fun and chaos in the process. <laughs> nice. I actually don't know if I can watch you anymore because I like feel like I know you and I'm like, I don't want her to get hurt. <laughs> no, don't do it. Like, I, I don't touch her. I rarely ever get hurt. I know. I rarely like, ever... <laughs> I know, but like that says a lot about the performance because I'm like, oh god, that must have hurt. Like, no, I can't watch this. And of course, Quinn's now like, oh, I want to try that. Let's do that right now. <laughs> Wait for your dad to get home. But, no, 
it's fine. I'm, I'm the good guy. So good guys always come up on top, sort of maybe. Sometimes. I don't want anyone to, to hurt. <laughs> nice. Don't do a don't do a heel turn. Uh, but I also I want to see a real like fireball move. Like I want to yeah. see like fire breathing. Uh, you know that type of fun stuff. Oh my god, that would be great. I don't know if they would let me do that nowadays because I'd probably just light my hair on fire. <laughs> like uh, there was a wrestler by the name of Ricky Steamboat who used to actually come out and breathe fire. Like it, I was like, "Ooh, could you guys teach me?" I'm like, "No," and I was like, "No, it's cool. I'll just tie it. I'll tie it up back here, and then we'll be good." Like, Ooh, no. yeah, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> the insurance <laughs> rates just went up just by us talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah like but hopefully like i've always wanted to do stuff with fire just because my name's ember anyway right. so like every year they're like hey do you want to do something cool i'm like fire what, fire. What you fire right you guys figure Break out how it down. works but just make fire happen yep. i like it yeah <laughs> that was awesome. really cool i almost got to use a blowtorch one year too so like oh yeah, and then that got kiboshed last minute. I was like, no. Oh. Oh. All right, well, bring back the, the blowtorch. I think that's cool. Even just having some pyrotechnics so just do it. around. Ask forgiveness more. later. Just- that's, that's what we do as D&D. It's just like, <laughs> you'll just do it. And then, you know, sorry, I didn't know. We didn't know, sorry. <laughs> well, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Uh, really love it. And I can't wait for season three of uh, Rollout. That's going to be awesome. Yep. Sweet. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> I think we should audition to be Mean Gene, uh, the the announcers. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know who any of the current ones are. In the studio, <laughs> stage right. Coming in at 345 pounds. Me. Ryan Marth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's doing some, some dabbing. Little dabble, do you? I love <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, it is rare that we get an interview with a guest that I believe is uh, a uh, superstar. A well, a WWE superstar, but also a D and D superstar. Like she has been in it since second edition and uh, is very passionate about all of her characters. I love it. Yeah, I love the enthusiasm. I want to talk to her again. I know, right? It gets me hyped. Yes. And maybe it's also the amount of coffee that I'm drinking. I'm also going to Orlando. Orlando! I'm going to the studio. You should totally go to that. Oh, it's it's 100% happening. You've already booked it. Yep. I mean, in your mind. Boop, it's boop. like, it's booked. Yes. Um, I mean, because, I no. mean, I, I will leave Quinn and Bart at Disney World. And I will go. And you're just going to go. Oh, I thought it was going to be the other way around. They could oh, pay. I really want to go. Yeah? You want to get in the ring? Kind of. Yeah. If I weren't so scared of hurting myself. Well, you know. I'm such a chicken. Are you? I don't even like to do somersaults because I'm scared I'm going to land on my neck. And You're like my hair. Like being upside down. I don't care about <laughs> But I like the, uh, the costumes are kind of cool. Yeah. I just want to be tough. All right. Well, let's start our own D&D uh, glow uh, thing happening. Oh, I wanted to ask her more about glow. Like. Like, like just her thoughts on it. Oh. I'm glad that you had brought it up, but then we got to bring her back. I forgot to to talk about it. Yeah, we got to bring her back. Okay, because I think she's uh, got a lot to say. So I think we'll so do too. it. We'll make it happen. Hopefully, you all enjoyed that interview and our start. If you're not fans of wrestling, uh, that you're starting to be one. There's now. so Watch much D and D parallels. Yeah, like 
all of the writers create like they're all like it's like 70 dungeon masters in a room (laughs) frantically typing away and creating these awesome storylines and character stuff yeah and then and then being able to take that and then improvise off it i'm like yeah you're basically playing dnd every night on tv it's like you can't like a lot it's like a larp it's like a LARP. It's a LARP. It's very your LARPy. characters are coming to life. Yeah, and right they've got and they got foam swords that they're hitting each other with. So there has to be in that in those writer writers rooms for wrestling. Mm-hmm. There, ninety percent of them are D and D players or were D and D. You think so? Oh my god! Oh, now we. I want to talk to the writers yes. now. There let's, has to be. Let's get a panel of of WWE superstar writers in okay. the room and make it happen. WWE D and D. SS. <laughs> Uh, awesome. I am excited uh, that you all have been listening to this episode. And we should... We, I think we did a lot of product stuff up ahead of time, so I don't think we need to do no, it now. We're good. All right, so how can people follow you and all the fun things that you do? Why don't you come on over to Twitter at Shelly Moo? Come on, knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. We got Twitters for you. And some Instagram and some Facebook, too. That Who is, are you? I am Greg Tito. <laughs> Uh, Is there an accent over that O? Tito! (laughs) And then on the Instagram, Greg underscore Tito. Tito. uh, I'm on Facebook, but it's private. (laughs) So don't look for me there. But you have a writer's page. I have a writer's page on Facebook, and you can read Bachelor recaps. Have you got caught up yet? No. <laughs> I've only done like three for the whole season. You have you've been basically like promoting it this whole time, and you're like, oh, by the like way. the same episode like, every week, sort of. Like the same, like, oh, I could just write the same words. This guy's annoying. This guy is crazy. This guy's pants are too tight. Also, did, we might have already mentioned this. What? There is a tremendous amount of pant pegging on the bachelorette. <laughs> for we'll some save that reason, for... they're all wearing super cropped it's very tight fashionable right now. pants at the ankle. It's very fashionable. Yeah. That's terrible. And barefoot and dress shoes. I Is this you... a thing, you guys? Why aren't you typing this up right now and putting this down for your recaps? Oh, I've written about. I think. Oh, okay. I good. think it might be in there. Um, but I like that you kind of, yeah, uh, kind of subtly... Uh, we're panning the Bachelorette by being like, it's just the same episode every single time. Yeah, I know. For like 19 seasons. <laughs> so it's very formulaic. <laughs> yes. By the way, that dude in Florida, that is exactly where my parents' condo is. Jupiter, Florida. That is where I've been going since I was 15 years old. Whoa. So my dad watched with me. He was like, oh, no, we know. Oh, we know yep, all we've the- been there. The tiki bar that they like made a big embarrassing scene in. That's the tiki bar my dad and I go to. Oh my gosh. Is that where they were playing D&D? <laughs> I wish. Dungeon One Mayhem? Day. Send them some One Dungeon day. Mayhem. One day. Make it happen, we Shelly. Make it you happen. have the control. If anybody knows anyone who makes uh, reality television, uh, you should totally Producers. at Shelly on the Twitters and make it Particularly happen. Particularly anyone from the Bachelor slash Bachelorette franchise. Now, if they're... Top Chef, Project Runway. All those. All the above. Um, you know... By saying these these names, uh, you're cursing the cave that we're currently in, and I believe there is now going to be an earthquake, and all of the rocks are falling. Another, and we're dead. Another earthquake. Oh.